Yo, what's up? Welcome back to the Business Kids Podcast. We talk to real people, not their job titles. Let's get straight to business. Welcome, everybody. We are joined today by the one, the only, the handsome, Philip Zong. A man who's not afraid to stand out in a crowd. Serial entrepreneur, fashion guru, chef, photographer, sound engineer. A real renaissance man of the modern era. So, Philip... (laughs) How the heck are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks so much for having me today. Yeah, I'm not bad. I'm not bad. Before we get started, you know, just to uh, hit us off, I just wanted to ask that I know that I speak for many of us. Then we have noticed your style, the way you walked around uh, the Shulik hallways, usually sporting a suit or a black or bra- uh, brown briefcase. So I just wanted to kind of ask, uh, what's the reasoning behind that? And did you start doing this before high school or once you started Shulik? Or what's that all about? Can you tell us more about that? Well, uh, I think one of the you know main reasons I decided to go into business was you know really uh, I think the style right that people you know what every what people wear on a daily basis that really kind of inspires me a lot. Um, I'm super into style, obviously. I love suits, right? I like uh, dressing to uh, impress. Um, mm-hmm. So I started getting into style and kind of doing research. I think in grade twelve, right? Um, and that was also the point that. I kind of knew I wanted to get into business. So I think those two things kind of went hand in hand. So like off your style, I know you're big on suits and I know I've seen the, you know, the dress shoes propped up on your Instagram, but I've also seen you sometimes in like what I'll call the Steve Jobs look. Like I'll see you with the the pure, you know, tight white shirt, ripped jeans and the laptop. What yep. do you prefer? Like if you're going around campus, you know, day-to-day activity, what do you prefer wearing? Honestly, I like having variety, right? So like, I don't really keep track of these things. Kind of, it's just every day, I, I just kind of decide on the morning what I want to wear, then I just wear it. So not too much of a preference. What about before grade 12? You said you got into it a lot. Like, what, what were you dressing as before? Like I'm dressing right now, just, you know, casual, I guess, normal clothing. Just putting a shirt, some jeans and things yeah, like but, that. You know, I think the, the thing about suits is that, like, first of all, I think it looks so much better, right? Um, <laughs> and second of all, you know, it also goes well in a professional setting. And obviously if you're going to go into business in the future, um, yeah, like everyone wears that in the office, it depends on which firm you work at. Right. But more so if you're in finance. So now based on that, you know, we're talking about kind of like the whole uh, persona of, you know, wearing suits and fitting into this corporate type of environment, as well as, you know, having this kind of, uh, Steve Jobs vibes and things like that. I just want to bounce off of that when it comes to kind of your self-development series on IGTV. I've noticed I've been keeping up with it, you know, with things such as your thoughts on entrepreneurship, as well as your thoughts on how to get an internship, as well as all these different different experiences that you've had. Um, What kind of motivated you to start this? Was there some eureka moment uh, during a high school or university that that you decided to uh, start this series or... Was it just one day you woke up and you're like, okay, I'm going to start doing this, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it kind of started after I wanted to get into business, right? So uh, last summer, uh, just right after high school, uh, I decided to kind of just work for free, get some experience, right? So I just did an unpaid internship at a very small SAS, right? I think in total, there were like four to five people, uh, you know, in our office daily. So it's very tight knit community. And uh, during my time working there, right, and helping out and stuff, I spent a lot of time just talking with the CEO there, right, getting to learn a lot of things for him. And 
my role there was particularly in marketing and in sales, right? Doing stuff like finding leads, uh, trying to find new segments that we can target. Um, and because I was in, you know, a sales position, I wanted to learn more about sales and uh, wanted to figure out, you know, how can we get more leads? How can we close more? Right. Uh, it's, it's also a very entrepreneurship like mindset, right? I think sales right. and entrepreneurship is definitely hand in hand. So yeah, I was definitely learning a lot from uh, the CEO of the company and he sent me a lot of different resources, uh, just kind of learn up, right. Uh, and practice, obviously get that experience. And, you know, during this phase of doing sales, I realized that I really loved the job. It was, it was fun. Um, and Obviously, a lot of people don't like it, but I really liked cold calling people, right? I loved talking about our company, trying to create value for uh, our leads and for our customers. And during that process, right, I just really decided that uh, I love this type of work and I wanted to figure out, like, you know, how can I be more involved? Uh, like, it's a level higher, right? Um, yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. Uh, I think a lot of it, a lot of it was from like the sales training that I did. Right. Uh, it made me feel good. It made me feel empowered. Right. If you know what I mean? Um, so that kind of got me thinking like, Hey, how can I provide value for other people as well? And that led me into creating these, I guess, series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Especially like myself right now, I'm working sales too. So, you know, once you close a sale or something like that, um, it feels good. You're like, you know, I, talk to that customer. I kind of let them to know about our product, think about it, and then decide to make that purchase. So, you know, I definitely know how you feel in that sense. And, you know, now that you're talking about how uh, entrepreneurship and sales go, kind of go hand in hand, it's mostly due to that fast paced environment that I, I feel like people like you and I crave type of thing. You know, it's, it's kind of rewarding once you reach that point and you're like, yes, like I did this, you know, this is fruit of my work. So I definitely agree with that. So just a quick question. For those who don't know, could you elaborate on what SaaS is, as you said earlier? Uh, yeah, SaaS is just software as a service. It's obviously in the tech industry. Just to get it out there, I wanted to ask you, what's your morning routine like? What's like that, you know, when you wake up first <laughs> thing in the morning? Pre-coronavirus or coronavirus adjusted? Oh, let's give us both. Both. Double both. both? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not proud of the way things have been right now, but I guess I'll start off talking about my past. Yeah. So my routine then is, uh, you know, I get up in the morning at around six, right? I make a super quick breakfast. I drink my coffee. Uh, and then 6.30, I get to the bus. On the bus, you know, I'm usually working if I have battery in my laptop. Um, I'm either reading a book, you know, just trying to learn more about something. I'm doing schoolwork. I'm doing readings. I would get to the school by around 7.30 or 8. I get to the school, I continue working, and then my classes are, most of them are at 8.30. That's the rest of my day, just doing classes and, and working even more. What about post-corona? Now, now things haven't been that great. I work Tuesday and Friday though, right? So that's mm -hmm. still kind of good. Amazing. Now that you mentioned something about that I found in industry, you like read a book, obviously, on the bus and things like that. What's your book of choice, the genre? Book of choice. Uh, I think the book of choice would probably be uh, management consulting books. I've been reading like that for pretty much entire first year. Yeah. Um, during my first year, I, I wanted to get a lot more experience and knowledge in, right? Because I think the truth is that 
there's only so much that school does teach you, right? And I think a lot of other people will say this too, but a lot of it isn't really applicable to the work that you do, right? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I wanted to spend time in the first year to kind of just build my skills more and to learn more about things. And I already knew from kind of the beginning that I wanted to go into uh, either consulting or I wanted to enter this you know, CPG world or perhaps even both. Uh, that's kind of what started me to uh, read those books. Like I don't do any leisure readings. Like it's just mm-hmm. purely because I need to learn more information, right? In a very short amount of time. Makes sense. Um, I just wanted to ask you now that we're talking about books and things like that. Say myself, for example, I'm trying to get into reading, but I usually read more like uh, personal finance books and things like that. If I'm trying to get into more consulting and management books, what's one book that you recommend to kind of hit it off? Like one specific one. First book I think you should read if you want to become a management consultant is The McKinsey Mm -hmm. Mind. Uh, It's a great book. It gives a great overview of what consulting is, what the consulting engagement process is like. And uh, it also kind of teaches you how to think as a consultant, right? With things like issue trees, how do you frame a problem? How do you develop a hypothesis, right? How do you like do the analyses to prove or disprove your hypothesis? So I think that's a great book to start off with. Noted. Hey, so I guess now that we're on the topic of business and, you know, we talked in your morning routine, what you're working in, I guess a little bit less intensive than it was pre-corona. But in terms of that, why don't you just give us and I guess people listening a summary of you know, what you've done in terms of entrepreneurship, we know that you're involved in that. So, you know, just a quick run through of what you do. Yeah, I think I started kind of getting into the scene, uh, I think end of grade 12, right? Um, I haven't honestly really done much at this point, but I can share some of the experiences I've had. In this last summer, I uh, tried to start a business with a friend and we wanted to build a consulting business, which is obviously very difficult given that we, no one, none of us have experience, right? That's why I was right. reading the books. Um, so I've built that. In total, we've done only around three engagements, the team and I, and they were all pro bono. So we didn't make any money. We we're basically uh, doing consulting for free. And I think that was good. We did learn a lot of stuff. We worked with a lot of different clients in CPG, and we learned a lot from them. I think the next experience after that one would be this summer, I tried to start a snack subscription company, right? It was called Snackbox. The product there was we offered a subscription of snacks and we would ship it to our customers, you know, on a weekly, uh, monthly or biweekly basis, right? Yeah, that venture didn't, uh, unfortunately, didn't really work out. Now what I'm doing is kind of helping with the family business and uh, the business that my dad owns and runs and that's vegetable deliveries, right? It's a similar category. It's uh, basically, we sell boxes, right? Every week, it's random. And we also uh, include deliveries with that. I would say those are probably the the three biggest projects I've been involved in. I just wanted to ask you, I know that, for example, for uh, the consulting firm that you worked at, I'm pretty sure that was an endeavor that you took alongside a, a Schulich member as well. So I wanted to see, like, how, what's your, like, your experience with, you know, working alongside other Schulich uh, students uh, on endeavors outside of, you know, just like, MGMT 1000 projects or things like that. What has your experience been in regards to that? I think it's good, but at the same time, it's also very similar, right? I, I think it's also it's always good to kind of build those relationships with your classmates. Uh, you get to know each other better, and then you also start working together better once you've worked together for a long time. Unfortunately, though, none of them 
worked with any projects with me in class. So it was just kind of like a separate uh, thing that we did. Just a question. Um, you said you're working right now with um, vegetable delivery, like the family business. Because, you know, I'm interested in that kind of stuff. I like the, the food aspect of it. How do you, like, what is that centered around? Is it, are you partnering with local farms? Is it a farmer's market thing? What's going on with that? It kind of, right? Uh, we Like, where possible, we try to uh, buy local, definitely. Uh, because it's a lot better but something i haven't mentioned yet is that uh, our customer base is primarily chinese families right and and here's the thing right uh, like chinese families typically eat different vegetables so unfortunately a lot of the stuff that we get has to be imported from other countries mainly mexico because they just don't grow it here uh, but where possible yeah we do try to get uh, locally sourced products so i wanted to uh, just kind of bounce off of that now that we're talking about kind of entrepreneurship and endeavors and things like that and all of this business-centered uh, mindset. I just wanted to ask you, um, out of all the business schools in Toronto or uh, just Canada in itself, how come you picked Shulik? You know, like what was like that kind of mindset that decided that made you decide, okay, this is the school that I want to go to and this is the school that I want to further learn from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell all for the viewers. Give us some juicy gossip. What other schools did you apply to? Uh, I didn't apply to that many. Um, I think I only applied to six to eight business schools. Uh, I think, you know, the second best business school I applied to was Laurier. Uh, So actually the story there was, I thought I wouldn't get into Shulik at the beginning. So my plan was to go to Laurier, but uh, I did get the offer, one of the later offers, but I did eventually get it. And yeah, I took it. And now looking back, I, I honestly, I think it's a great choice. And uh, the reason is, is that compared to other business schools, like if you go to Queens or something, right? Or if you go to Laurier, like it's super far and it, it's very far away from Toronto, right? Um, during the semesters, uh, something that I really focused on was getting to meet more people, you know, working uh, in industry, you know, downtown, uh, in consulting, in the professional services industry, and just, you know, doing coffee chats, networking with them. I think that has been quite helpful, right? Like if you were in Waterloo, you wouldn't necessarily get the same opportunities. Uh, like some firms, obviously they do come on campus, but like you're limited in scope to the amount of people that you can talk with. Yeah, I definitely agree with the Toronto thing because programs aside, you look at, you know, Queens, Western, they all have great programs, but you're right. It's the proximity thing. That's a good selling point. So if we're looking at Toronto and I know that you spend a lot of time downtown viewer discretion, I apologize for saying the the bad word, but why didn't you apply to uh, Rotman's? (laughs) Why didn't I apply to Rotman? Yeah, because I see them very, you know, they're very central location. I forgot. <laughs> I honestly, I forgot. Like, I'm not Good lying. I, uh, I, I didn't remember to apply to ramen. That's why I didn't apply. I, I should have, but I got super lucky, right? Because if I didn't get into Shulik, I could always go to Rotman. Yeah. But I just didn't apply. I forgot. <laughs> it happens, man. I it got happens, lucky. You know? I got really lucky, yeah. No, some, I'm a firm believer that things happen for a reason. Maybe you came to Shulik for a reason. I like it here, though. It's, you know, honestly, so far, I think it's been quite great. It's been quite great. It's <laughs> really close to downtown as well. Like, yeah. I know Rotman is right 
downtown, right? But like most people don't even live there. Um, but you know, I live in my home in Richmond Hill, and it's it's convenient enough. I would say that. I commute too. I wouldn't say it's that bad, and I commute from like a a relatively farther destination. Yeah. The great city of new markets. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How long does it take? Like two hours? Oh, I'm not walking there. <laughs> I mean, for me. I get on the train more or less. I I sit, and by the time I get there, subway stops. It's about forty minutes, forty five minutes. So it's not that bad, I'd say. I kind of I envy Jesus though. What are you two minutes away from <laughs> campus? No, I live near Eglinton West subway station, so I wake up like what? If I have an eight thirty class, I wake up at like seven fifty, and I leave my house at eight. Get there like five minutes before class starts, you know. It's actually not true for anyone listening. Jesus actually lives in one of the lecture halls. I think it's N1. <laughs> okay, so you know, we've talked business, we've talked what you like to do, what you do outside of it, and what you do with the program. So now we kind of wanted to shift the focus to more so your hobbies, your talents, things you do outside the program. And first of all, a topic I'd like to talk about: you're a chef. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I think before I've worked in around seven restaurants total, including like part time and just some other shifts I did. Yeah, uh, I was a cook, but before that, you know, in the uh, humble beginnings, right? I started off as a busboy, and I just kind of worked my way up. As everyone who's kind of involved in like the restaurant industry or food in general, I just want to know, like, everyone has an origin story. So, what's yours? What's your start to food? You know, when did you get into it? Um, I actually think that at the beginning I wasn't really too too much into it, right? It was just kind of my first job, and uh, you know I, I started off as Mandarin, and I got there because my dad knew the boss, right? So it was just my first job, but just kind of staying there for a while and just kind of talking with the people, right? Look, learning about the operations, um, I started to get more interested. Uh, specifically, I spent a lot of time on YouTube and I learned about fine uh, dining, right? And I got super interested in that. Uh, I think a lot of the time I spent in high school around grade 10 was just reading cookbooks, right? Written by uh, some of the world's greatest chefs and just kind of trying to learn from that. Yeah, I really wanted to work in a fine dining restaurant as a chef. That was kind of my dream back then. Obviously, I've changed uh, a lot now, but I'm still interested in food. So that was the beginning there. Uh, after working in uh, Mandarin for a while, uh, they, you know, upgraded me to a host, I guess, right? So I would hey. bring people, bring people in, you know, talk with people. It was, it was still like a restaurant job. It's a lot easier though, right? But I think through both of those experiences, I got experience in both uh, the front and back of the house. And then moving on to grade 11, uh, I did a co-op at Montana's uh, where I was doing prep. You know, it's not really a cook role yet, but most of the time there, I was just cutting vegetables um, mm. and kind of starting to learn what it's like to be on the line. Mm. And fast forward a year later, in the summer of grade 11, I uh, got a prep and a line cook position at an upscale Italian restaurant in Markham. Yeah, and that's kind of, that's the main story, I guess. Okay, one, great, like, great journey. It sounds really like, you know, you've been to a lot of places with it and kind of got your feet wet into the restaurant industry. You were talking about, um, like, cookbooks and reading a lot of those, you know, back in grade 11, grade 10, grade 
high school in general. So yeah, just pick your brain. What's your What's your favorite cookbook? What do you recommend? Uh, my favorite cookbook is by Grant Atkins of Alinea. I forgot the name of the cookbook, but obviously, I re- you know a lot of people who like fine dining know who he is, and you know Alinea is an amazing restaurant. Um, yeah, I think that's probably I would say one of the greatest cookbooks. It's it's quite different than like what a lot of people think cooking is. You know, um, I used to be really interested in molecular gastronomy, right? Which is more like a science, right? And uh, there's a lot of emphasis on plating making the presentation beautiful yeah and it takes a lot more effort and precision it's kind of like science and art Uh, so that was kind of the space i was really interested in i know seb uh you like that stuff too so yeah i don't know how i feel yet about the molecular gastronomy because to me i think you know it's definitely interesting it's like it is a science and you just make the science look beautiful I think I'm on the fence for now with the the whole scenario of which I prefer, but I mean, it's still a really cool thing with all the like, you know, specific chemicals and mixes that they use to make things unconventional. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now that we're talking about kind of plating and, you know, the molecular science type of things, one plating that caught my attention once was one of Philip Zong's on national TV. When I saw you plating a specific dish, I remember that you posted it on your story and then I looked it up and I was intrigued as to more getting to know more about this appearance on national TV. So can you tell us more about that? Yeah, sure. I think that was on city TV and there was this like cooking contest. I think it's called skills Ontario. Right. And Mm -hmm. I joined that, I think in grade 10 and grade 11, uh, grade 10, I didn't do so well. Grade 11, I did a little bit better, but I didn't place in anything, but yeah, it was just that it's a cooking contest. Uh, it was super fun. It's kind of like MasterChef, but we had a lot more time, right? Mm. Uh, so I was just there. I was just cooking, you know. And then a guy with a camera came in, and then he started kind of like surveying the crowd and deciding, I guess, who he would uh, interview. Um, and, yeah, he just kind of asked me. And then, you know, he asked my parents later, and then uh, we just did a short clip there. Yeah, it, was, it was a fun experience. Like, I didn't win anything. Yeah, it was it was interesting, you know, because you meet a lot of other cooks, right? There's not a lot of cooks, uh, at least in my school. And you just, it, it, everything is a learning experience, right? I think that even if you don't win, you know, you learn more and then you can win the next time maybe. Yeah, exactly. So what would you make? Um, I think the starter was uh, a minestrone. And then I think for the main course, it was like steak or something. And then for the dessert, I think it was creme caramel. Simples. I don't know how I remember this, but I remember exactly yeah, yeah. what I made. Damn. I may stop by uh, Philip Zong's Kitchen one of these days and, you know, <laughs> try that minestrone. <laughs> so, on top of the, like, so, yeah, you cook that in the restaurant or in the competition. What would you say, like, I don't know, I always like to have it as a talking point with people I meet, but what's your favorite dish or single food, I guess, either to cook or to eat? I think it would probably be duck at l'orange. Um, I like working with duck because it's very easy, right? And the preparation method I use is by a chef in New York, 11 Madison Park, the chef of that restaurant. And the way he prepared the duck is that it's very easy, right? So uh, he didn't pan sear it or anything because that would make it too dry. So it was actually very innovative. He just baked the entire duck in the oven 
and then he would carve it later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it worked really well because he put honey and a crumble on top of the duck when they were baking it. So then it comes out super crisp, but it's also juicy. Yeah, so yeah, yeah you, you get the crispness that you would get if you pan seared it, but you also get the juiciness. So I think that's probably one of the best duck preparation methods. Okay. And I forget, I forget the name of that guy at uh, Levinas and what's his restaurant? David, again? I think. I, I, I think so. I, I know who you are talking about, though. In general, though, who would you say, like, on the world circuit is your top three chefs? You know, let's, here's the funny thing. Like, I'm super into cooking, but I don't know a lot of chefs. So uh, I'll, I only know two uh, great ones, and that's Grant Ackett and Daniel Hoom. Like, I know a lot of others, but I, I don't know if I would consider them to be that great, right? Especially if you haven't eaten anything they've made. Like, that's the thing, right? Like, you can make something look beautiful on the plate, but, like, you know, it comes down to the taste. Like, it doesn't matter if something looks good. You need to be able to yeah. eat it and then judge it then. The thing is that now there's a lot of emphasis on just, uh, you know, appearances, right? On Instagram or whatever. Everyone just only looks at the photo. And that makes sense, right? Like, if I, I haven't been to a lot of other countries, like how could I have eaten those dishes? Exactly. Yeah, but, you know, uh, I haven't eaten any of their dishes, so I can't really judge. Yeah, that's fair. I think personally, I kind of base it off, you know, I I, I am no expert on like the international scene of uh, cooking or anything, but just from what I've seen, I'd say favorite over time is uh, Massimo Bottura. Like he's an Italian chef right now. And yep. Just purely because, like you said, like, you know, I can't tell if he's a good chef or not. I've never tried his stuff. <laughs> but um, if I'm looking at it, like, I've, I've watched some videos of his and some of his lessons and stuff. I don't know. For me, it's always interesting seeing someone's new perspective on cooking. Like, he's big on mixing. He takes a lot of his insp- inspiration from music and jazz and art. And like you said, a lot of it's based off how it looks now. And he's definitely big on that. But it's nice to see the occasional like, oh, hey, I, I didn't think of it that way. Or, you know, it's it's interesting to see how he goes about it. But there's there's a lot of chefs who do it in many different ways, which I think is what's beautiful. I'm loving this. Like, I don't know anything about cooking. I'm just listening to you guys, like, big brain energy, just spewing this knowledge. I'm just listening. Yeah, oh, I love it. <laughs> no, I like French fries and, uh, you know. Uh, chicken, yeah, so what's uh, your opinion on hot dogs? <laughs> Are you on chicken and things like that? hot dogs um i don't know like it's just food (laughs) good like you eat it it's cheap Uh, i used to eat a lot of costco hot dogs back in the day uh summer school i remember it's super cheap right as in it does the job like if you think about it the only reason why you eat is because you need to eat food Uh, you're hungry right you need energy yeah it's kind of funny because while i'm super into cooking i'm not a foodie at all I don't like eating. Uh, I don't really care what I eat. As long as I have food, I'm pretty much okay with it. It's interesting. Okay, so you make it and you leave it? Yeah, I guess. Like, I'm more kind of, um, the reason I like cooking, I think, is because of the creating, you know, the process of creating it and the final presentation and kind of just pleasing your guests, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. During exams, like in high school, when things were getting bad, things were getting stressful, I'd take a break from studying, go down, I'd cook something and I'd leave. I wouldn't even eat it. Like I I just cook for the sake of it. And like, I, 
I fully understand what you're talking about. Like I, yeah, like it's about the process, right? It's about the it's journey. The process. So now that we've, t- we've been talking about food and you know, cooking it up and things like that, I'm thinking about cooking it up, but not in the regards of food, more in like the regards of music, cooking it up with beats. You know, such like a sound. I love your transitioning <laughs> skills. <laughs> what you just okay. say? <laughs> Cooking those beats up, you know. So I, I know that you. I've I've been <laughs> I've been very interested in that. Oh man, that oh. no, was good. It was good. Keep <laughs> going. Ride it. Ride it. <laughs> I'm riding this wave. Uh, so I I know that I've known for a while. Uh, so ever since uh, we started truly based on your IG lives, you know, cooking it up in the studio. How'd you come about? You know, this whole uh, situation with uh, music production. Uh, I started making music a long time ago. I think I started first in um, probably when I was in grade three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started off with you know Garage Band and just kind of experimenting things there. Um, yeah, it's it's really just a hobby that I do. Uh, I'm kind of a creative person. I like creating things, right? Whether it's music or food. Uh, that's just kind of what I like doing when I'm free. And yeah, I, I think after that, I just kept on learning more and more. Uh, once again, meeting more people, doing a lot of collabs, right? Um, you know, now I basically have like all the plugins, uh, you know, all the equipment, all the software that I need. It's a very long journey, but yeah, I just, you know, to summarize, I love doing it in my free time. I don't spend that much of my time doing it. Okay, it's just sure. like a nice to nice to do like every now and then type of thing. Yeah, pretty much. But I did have a dream of you know one day becoming a producer when I was when I was a kid. I listened to a lot of EDM, right? And I think mm. a lot of people who listen to that, it's like, hey, this is amazing, right? It's also so easy to make. All you need is a few programs, and you can just do it yourself. So is that is that your favorite genre, EDM? Pretty much, yeah. So when is that EP coming out? I have to say it, you know. Yeah, when's the EP? <laughs> Honestly, I haven't been touching that stuff for like a while now. I don't think it's ever mm. coming out, but oh. when I'm free. Oh, you know, no, no, say it ain't so. Like if I'm super bored, I'll work on it. But <laughs> nowadays I have better, uh, better things to do. So you're talking about when you were younger, you had the dream of becoming a producer. You know, why don't we, why don't we spin this around on the grand scale of things now that you're older? What do you dream about? What's your what's your big goal in life? Where do you want to end up? Um, I think I would want to end up in either consulting or CBG, right? Uh, those are probably the main industries that I'm most interested in right now. Um, or entrepreneurship, right? Starting my own food business. And once again, this goes back a long way uh, till high school when I started working uh, in hospitality and getting experience with food. Um, so yeah, I think now that's kind of my focus, right? I want to be good at something specific and I want to get more experience, uh, in CPG, in food. Um, yeah, that's kind of the direction I'm headed at right now. I like having a big goal in mind, right? Um, and you know, my goal is to eventually be, uh, wealthy, right? But I think of it as, you know, you have this big goal, right? Like, how do you get it? Well, obviously you need to a bunch of smaller goals to eventually reach there. A goal that I set to myself when I started university is to make a million dollars before I graduate university, right? Uh, One of the goals that uh, that I set for myself and I'm currently working on it. Not quite there yet, but still have three more years. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that's a good goal to have. And I really, I really, um, 
I really resonate with that. I remember that I was listening to that actually one of your uh, very first episodes of IGTV, the whole goal setting and setting smaller goals that you can, so that when you see this, you know, maximum goal of, you know, once at some point becoming a wealthy individual, you don't see it as just unattainable period. But if you have those smaller, you know, attainable goals throughout your four years of university and things like that, it doesn't seem as intimidating, right? Right. And, and it also like, gives you a path, right? Like, right. Sometimes if you have a task that's very challenging, like you don't even know where to start with that, right? And exactly. You, you, yeah, that's, that's how project management works. That's how you get things done is you break things down and then you complete little milestones at a time until you reach your big goal. And before you know it, you, you look back and you're like, I did it. I made it. So I think I have a, a question just based off that, looking at it, you know, breaking things down, getting to your goals, setting big goals that, you know, you can try and strive for. And we talk about you want to make a million dollars before the end of university. And I know, you know, I'll talk from a personal angle and I'm sure that many people experience the same thing. I came to university, you know, with the idea, okay, awesome. We're in business now. We'll figure out something to do. We'll look what I'm interested in and explore it. And I think I potentially slightly hit a roadblock when I'm like, okay, maybe this isn't what I want to do. Where am I going to go? What advice would you give as someone who, you know, you talk, you're doing work on the train, you're setting these goals, you're doing this and that and the third. What advice do you give to someone who's kind of feeling stuck in place right now? You know, I think it's always important to know where you want to go, right? Like, that's a big thing. And I think if you don't know what you want to do, like, I think it's reasonable to, you know, spend some time and think about it, reflect, right? Just learn more in general, right? Talk with more people, do a lot of research. And once you kind of figure out where you want to go, then I think it just makes everything a lot easier, right? You know where to spend your time, you know what areas you need to improve on, and you can actually work on those areas. What do you have to say on the whole, I guess, perception that a lot of people fall into at Schulich of, I need to do exclusively coursework and then an internship, or I need to do this in the summer and then get a head start for the winter? Well, like once again, it comes down to where you want to be in the future, right? I don't think there's anything wrong with working hard and doing that. If you want to focus on getting your GPA up, right? Because yeah, like if you want to get into banking or if you want to get into consulting, your GPA really matters and it needs to be really high. Um, so if you want to do those things, then yeah, I think your GPA definitely should be one of your top priorities, right? But, you know, if you want to go into something that doesn't require that high of a GPA, right? Like, and you want to have fun, then just do it, right? Like, it comes down to what you want to do. Sometimes you just got to focus on yourself while not focusing on what everyone else is doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, so like, kind of look, look back to what you want to do, right? It's easy to get distracted. Everyone else is doing this. You get peer pressure sometimes, right? Um, but honestly, it depends on what you want to do. Like if you want work-life balance, if you want to go into like marketing, for example, you might not need that high of a GPA, right? But there might be other things that you should be working on. Uh, so I think you should do what's best for you. Yeah. What are your thoughts on exchange? Do you think that besides, despite the fact of being a, a BBA student, do you think that you, that's something that you'd plan for third or fourth year? Probably not. Uh, I would rather mm. take my summers or whatever time I have off to do uh, internships, right? To get more experience. I think it's, I think it's like, you know, it's obviously very nice, right? To be studying in a different country, but 
you know, that's just my goal. Like I want to spend as much time as I can working, right? So I can build my resume so I can get more experience. So it'll be easier for me to get into consulting in the first place. Yeah. It's a, like you said, it's all about doing what's best for you and what you believe is best for you type of thing. Yep. It's what exactly. Wants to do. Yeah. Like that's, you know, honestly, right. Like it's live your life, however you want to live it. Like Amen. we live in such a great country that allows you to do that. As long as you don't, you know, kill people, right. As <laughs> long as you don't do things that are illegal. Right. Yeah. So I think you should really focus on yourself at the end of the day, <laughs> you are living your own life, right. Don't worry about what other people are doing. It might not be applicable to what you're doing. So focus your time on getting what you want out of life. Exactly. Damn. Yeah. That kind of hit close to home. Man. Someone wrote this down. Yeah. So maybe almost shed a tear, man. Holy crap. Uh, <laughs> I think that's uh that's a good point to kind of uh, end it. And uh, so, you know, we appreciate you coming in and uh, thank you for sharing your story, man. Thanks so much for having me.